0: It is a good day to be in church. Yes? Now, I don't often do this because I don't know why, but I just don't. But uh, I will tell you this. This team this morning uh, in worship was just absolutely incredible and in where they led us this morning. So I asked them to come back out so that you could give them a good hand because you don't realize the sacrifice they make for you every week. Yeah, thank you guys. Bless you guys. Have a good morning. Yeah. And uh, here's what we learned. Uh, Pastor Ryan is not on stage today. He's here in the back. Pastor Ryan, we we have decided that your place is in the back of the room. And uh, this worship team apparently responds better without you here. So uh, it's nothing personal. (laughs) Nothing personal. It's just cheaper for the church. Now, I do wanna say this, if you're a guest here with us, man, we'd love to get to meet you. There's a card in front of you that says guest info. If you wanna scan it, fill it out, that's awesome. If you don't want anybody to know that you're here, you can do that as well. You're embarrassed, that's fine. Uh, you don't have to do that. I do need your help. You saw earlier this week, uh, or earlier in this service, uh, Branchville gave us their big uh, cloth that they helped with. And can we welcome our Branchville facility guys this morning? Good morning, gentlemen. We need your help because uh, they have run out of pants. They're not walking around pantsless, but they need pants when they are leaving Branchville. And there's so many guys getting out. Praise God. This is awesome. This is awesome for our church inside of there. But we need size 29 to 36 pants, okay? 37, 38. Apparently, they don't make them that size at Branchville. We don't need those. 29 to 36. And I'm going to be able to give all of mine. Soon, because I'm going to be at 38, 39 here very quickly, at the rate of which I'm eating Taco Bell. So, you guys, uh, next week, just bring them, okay? gently use whatever the case is you don't have to buy a new pair just bring them in what doesn't matter what color what shape just bring them in uh, and we'll take them straight over to branchville next sunday and bless those guys with them and we want to be a blessing to them next sunday is a huge opportunity a great outreach for us sunday morning uh, we have church sunday night we have our red hot and boom celebration okay it's a celebration of all nations but mainly america okay That that was a joke. It flopped. Horrible. First service, too. Now, many of you were like, thought I was lying when we said that we have a lake on this property. People were like, we do not have a lake, Pastor Earl. There is not a lake here. I was like, the church bought a lake. We own a lake. And then I walked out there, and since our, uh, our grass goes up, you cannot see what you paid for. So here's an actual aerial shot so you can see the size of the lake that is on this property. You just don't realize that it's sitting over there, okay? Uh, We have a moat, okay? (laughs) So we own a lake, so if you ever wanna go swimming, you're just bored, feel free, okay? But that's what we're doing, our belly flop contest. We've got food trucks, we've got a huge fireworks display. The idea is this, just invite your friends and be normal. Please don't invite them and and you know every church has got crazy Christians, okay? You know who you are. Be quiet next week. So I'm asking, one week, don't talk to anybody. And you know, just leave everybody else alone for the love of everything that is holy. Okay? So Let's do that. Invite your friends next Sunday night, 6 to 9 p.m. It's going to be incredible. Finish at 9 p.m. with incredible fireworks display. You're not going to want to miss it. Today, we're starting a brand new five-week series entitled Stand, and we're going to be talking about the potential impact you can have by standing the right way at the right time for the right reason. The same thing is true if we flipped it upside down. You can stand the wrong way for the wrong reason. And this is going to be a study on the book of Daniel throughout the entire five weeks. And just like we did Nehemiah, we're going to do Daniel. And we're going to be talking about different ways to stand for God, what's right, stand for what's right, for what matters, okay? How to stand against and how to stand with, okay? And what I want to do today is I want you to put on your thinking caps for a little bit because I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstory of Daniel before we dive right in. But if you have your Bible, turn with me to Daniel chapter 1. And as you're turning there, I'm going to give you the backstory of what is happening. Right. So in Daniel chapter 1, right before we start reading, you're going to hear about King Nebuchadnezzar, okay, who goes in and destroys all of Jerusalem, lays it to nothing, rubble. To make sure that there is nothing left behind, he destroys not only all of Jerusalem, all the way to the ground, all of its walls, all of its buildings, he also destroys the temple, Right? And to add insult to injury to make sure that the temple goes down and that nobody's able to rebuild it, all the artifacts that are inside the temple. So think Indiana Jones. All the things that are inside the temple, he has taken and carried away. So that no one is able to rebuild it, no one's able to put it back together. There is no gods inside of it. And to make sure that their culture is completely destroyed... He wants to send a very clear message to all the Jewish people that your God is not a real God. He is not capable. He has let you down. He takes captive all their brightest and youngest to make them servants directly to him. Everybody was taken captive, but the best and the brightest young men he took into his courts. And what they would do is for three years, they would train to be Babylonians, right? So he would take the guys with the highest aptitude, the greatest students, the greatest wise men, and he would train them to go against their own culture to make sure that their culture was completely destroyed. That was the aim. And that's where we pick up in Daniel chapter one, in verse three, it says this. Then the king ordered aspana aspanas I hope that's not, you know, what everybody called him, but apparently it is. Hope they had like a nickname, Aspen or something, but, you know, Aspen, okay, the chief of the court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude, very smart for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He, Aspen, was to teach them the languages the literature of the Babylonians, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years and after that, they were to enter the king's servant. Go find those voted most likely to succeed and bring them to me. What is this? We're going to to believe. We want to get all their thought process out of them. So here's what he's doing. The enemy is going, hey, I'm going to come in and make sure that there's nothing left of your culture. I want to make sure that you think like me, that you behave like me, and you react like me. He wants them to become full Babylonians, and it's a strategic plan. He's got a long-term plan here. His idea is that if he can take the young people, okay, the young people of his day and teach them how to be Babylonians, they will never be able to go back to being Israelites. So he's going to teach it right out of the culture. Now, I want you to understand that I believe this mirrors a lot of what Satan is trying to do, his strategic plan for the world right now. That his aim is to send media, send everything to retrain the young people of our culture. And to go, your God is no God at all. There is no God. I don't know if you've realized this. In the last 20 years, the world's changed so much from the first 40 years I was alive. I'm not 60. I need to redo the math. (laughs) But from the time I was 0 to 20, the world didn't change very much. I feel like we just did what we did. But in the last 20 years, the world has doubled down and started sending a message that is so different that you are going to be forced at some point to have to stand up. You're either going to have to stand up for what you believe in or you're going to have to blend in what you were not called to do. And I want to tell you that if, if you don't think it's important that the devil doesn't think children and students are important. Let me give you the two biggest deliverers and what they have in common. In the Old Testament, okay, Moses comes to deliver the people out of physical bondage. They were in slavery. He comes to deliver them. He is the number one deliverer in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus comes to deliver people from internal bondage. They were trapped on the inside. That's what it comes to. Do you know what they both have in common? The devil's scheme was to destroy them as a child and both had mandates to be killed as children. That's what they have in common. So this is not a new strategy. This is a strategy used over and over and over again by the devil. And what happens is, is I don't believe that... Today, unfortunately, you can just kind of sit on the sidelines and go, I'm just going to be a cultural Christian. What is a cultural Christian? Somebody who just is like, well, I come to church on Christmas and Easter. I don't mind that you do that. Fills the place up. Doesn't do anything. You're dangerous to yourself. Because you think, you're like, well, my goal is heaven. You might get to heaven. That's awesome. That's not your goal. If your goal is heaven, that's easy, except Jesus. My goal is to get everybody to heaven, Amen. not just you. Which means we have to do something different. Because if my goal was to get myself to heaven, I wouldn't be here. I'd be home watching every football game. I do have a plan for when I retire. I didn't say this first service, I'll say it now. <laughs> Currently, I attend church and watch football on TV. When I retire... I plan on watching church and attending football. (laughs) That's a lie. If you guys don't know what a joke is. But here's the idea. When you go and work out, if you were to say, a cultural Christian would say, well, I'm a Christian, and I would be like, well, then I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. I have gone to the gym once in my life. I have pressed the bar up once and I should reflect that, right? You're like, well, clearly you don't go to the gym and any of you who would go to the gym with me would be thoroughly embarrassed to stand next to me and tell people you knew me. Okay, because I'm pretty sure at this point I can't do the bar over my head and I'm not interested in finding out, right? If you were married to somebody and you're like, well, I only talk to them once a year, but we're married, I would argue that. But that's what cultural Christianity is. You want all the benefits. You want to go around telling people you're in relationship with God. You have all these things. I'm a Christian. But there is nothing that shows it. And you don't have to stand up for everything. So you can just blend into the background. And that's not what you're called to do. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 it says this. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that one day when evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, the Bible says, stand. After you've done everything, even after everybody's accused you and said, hey, you know what? So the idea of blending in is not in the Bible. The Bible says you must Stand out. And that's where we pick up this story in Daniel. Let's see what happens. Daniel chapter one, verse six. It says, among those who were chosen from Judah were Daniel, okay, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So they come in and the first thing they do is change their names. Why, Why is it even important that they change their name? I'll tell you why it's important. All their names represented their God, Yahweh. So to make sure that even their names, and they wouldn't insult them, they're like, hey, we want to make sure that even your names, okay, just so that you know, we're going to take away your names and you will be constantly reminded, because every time we say your name, you're going to be reminded that you are not who you were, you are now this. So we're going to call you names. Have you ever been called something you're not and it really bothered you? That's what's happening to these men every day. They were attributed to Yahweh, now they're not. And so what happens is the next thing is they come in and change their diet. You're like, well, that's not a big deal. Sounds pretty good to eat from the king's table. I'd rather eat from the king's table. I like crappy food. I went to a dinner last night. They had all kinds of great food. I was mad because nobody brought Greatest baker the world's ever known. And she gets trashed on. Okay? don't We all have that in common. If you haven't had a little Debbie, you're missing out on one of the greatest gifts Jesus has ever sent the world. You're like, but I ate at Wolfgang Pucks. I ate at little Debbie's house. Okay? And for 99 cents, I fed a village. Okay? In verse eight, it says this. They're eating from the king's table. It says this. But Daniel resolved not to to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. He was already resolved before he was asked not to defile himself this way. So he doesn't push back when the king says, or they're like, hey, we're going to rename you because that's a personal attack on him. He's got no problem. He's like, call me whatever you want. Call me names. However... If you're going to ask me to digest something that will make me something I am not, because for them to internalize pagan food would to mean that they were unclean. They would no longer be called okay, Israeli or an Israelite at that point because they had defiled God. He's like, I cannot do that. And you're like, well, it's just food. Many of us can just justify it. You'd be like, but that wouldn't be taking a stand. See, taking a stand is not when you defend yourself. That's called self-defense. Taking a stand is when you can take a beating on yourself, but you stand up for God. But sometimes even when we're right, we're still wrong. And he had already defended decided, he had predetermined before this point that he wasn't going to do that. And these guys did that every day. They had predetermined, we're going to defile the king if, now remember, they've already been pulled out, they're already slaves, it could cost them their life if they're like, hey, we're not going to do this. And they had already predetermined to do that. So let me ask you this. How many of you have already predetermined what sins you're not going to commit? And let me tell you, if you wait until it happens, it's too late to make that decision. Have you ever tried to go to a restaurant with your family and like, we'll decide on the way? (laughs) That is the worst decision families make. I, I mean, divorces happen throughout the city. Right, because one person gets their way and if you're a family of four, three people cry about it. You got to decide way ahead of time, you know, like, hey, this is what we're doing and I don't ever fall from the trick where my wife says, I'll go wherever you want. That is a lie. (laughs) She knows good and well, I want to go to Taco Bell and there's no way on earth I'm getting her there. For example, when I was younger, when I became a Christian at 18, I, I hadn't been completely pure up until that point. I had some done some things that, that the Bible says clearly not to do. So I determined at that point that I was going to be sexually pure from that day forward, that I wasn't going to entertain it. I probably took it a little too far because here's what I did. This is God's honest truth. You can go ask my wife. I told everybody and their mother, I'm not holding anybody's hand or hugging, or doing any of that, okay, until I know that that's the person I'm going to marry. So Jenna and I dated for six months before I even held her hand. This is not an approved method. <laughs> this is not good. Why did I do that? I know myself. I, I, I can't get in the back seat of the car or under the moonlight with you and hang out. That's not who I am. I'm like, what did you say? You know? <laughs> oh, oh, not that, not that. My bad, my bad. You know, I'm going to get in trouble for that again. I'm feeling it already. Someone's like, I told you, I told you, this guy's a sinner. Just type it up right now. I don't have private conversations with women. If you come to meet with me, you're going to see a third person every time. I work in a fish tank. If you look upstairs, there's glass on every side of my walls. You can literally stare at me. <laughs> I can't hide from anybody. Why? Because I, it's not that the other people are bad or that I am bad. It's that that's what I've predetermined already to make sure that I can constantly stand up for God. I've already predetermined that I'm not going to fall into that stupidity. Right? Why? Because, and I don't wait until it hits me. I don't give it opportunity. When I go to the mall, I can tell you right now what every tile outside of Victoria's Secret looks like. (laughs) Because I stare at the floor. (laughs) If I go to the beach with you, you will see my head doing this. You're like, Pastor Girls lost it. You know, he's having some sort of seizure over here. No, when I see something I shouldn't see, I bounce. I teach my kids that. <laughs> so 90 times out of 100, when you invite me to the beach, I'm like, no thanks, because I don't want a headache. I got a headache. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> I did a wedding one time, and uh, I knew this family. I've known the family, you know, most of their lives, and uh, they come in, and uh, I hadn't seen what everybody chose to wear that day, but... I was just up front and uh, apparently everybody went to, you know, some sort of very small fabric store and bought things that barely covered them. So it was just some scraps. And I did the entire wedding like this. Every picture is of my chin, okay? Why? Because they're like, Pastor Joe, are you okay? I was like, no, I'm very uncomfortable. I was like, I don't need to be, I don't even know what's happening. This is like, you guys have got the nighttime messed up with the daytime thing. Like I'm, I'm out of here. Right? And what you realize very quickly in Daniel's story is this is not a one-time deal. He's constantly predetermining what he's going to do. He's constantly deciding ahead of time, I'm going to take a stand for God. And this wasn't a public show. This wasn't something he went and told the whole world. This was a private stand, and here's what he does. He tells his boss in verse 12, please test your servant for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of young men who eat royal food. Treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed and tested them for 10 days, and they're better nourished than any of the young men who ate at the royal table. Instead of making a public protest, Daniel honors authority and creates a plan. He doesn't go out and rebuke everybody. You can take a stand and do it the wrong way. You can take a stand and do it the wrong way. You see, you can stand out for the right things the right way at the right time, but you can also stand for the right things at the wrong way at the wrong time. And can I just tell you that there are some Christians just standing out the wrong way? You're like Facebook warriors, okay? You're out there angry, being rude, bitter, rebuking people online like they care. I used to do this when I was a young Christian. Okay, I don't drink. Maybe you don't know that about me. Maybe it looks like I drink. But I don't drink, and it's not because, you know, I don't believe that people can. There's people that, that should be able to drink. But when I first got saved, I went around telling everybody that anybody who drank was going to hell, so I'd see my friend drink and be like, "Hey, you're going to hell." And they'd be like, "Hey, thanks." I'd be like, "No, you're going to hell. You want to go to heaven. You better put that down right now." And they just kept drinking. And guess how many of my friends I led to Jesus? Zero with that tactic. Number one, it wasn't scriptural. And number two, I was just pushing things, just being rude and mean. They're like, hey, we invited you out to eat. We didn't invite you out to condemn us. You honestly think just because you're friends with somebody on Facebook, they asked your opinion. They just wanted you to see what they ate. Nobody actually wants to hear what anybody else has to hear on Facebook. I don't know if you know that, right? People aren't out there looking, and people are looking for a fight, and you're falling for a hoot, line, and sinker, and there is no spiritual gift called the knowing spirit. None of you have it. You don't get to go out there and drive other people nuts. Be like, oh, I'm just blessing people. I'm like, you know, you're not. You're not even taking a stand because that person will now never come to church because of the way you talked. You treated them like garbage, and Jesus didn't do that. Jesus never called the prostitute, the prostitute. Right? He calls her daughter. Some of you are like, well, I would never touch a prostitute. I'd never go near one. I was like, well, I'm sorry, your Lord and Savior did. So if you have a problem, you might want to take it up with the guy you're planning on spending the rest of your eternity with. It ain't me. I don't want half of you there. Just kidding. (laughs) Not the crazy ones anyway. I'll tell you who you are after service. Come ask me. (laughs) Nate, if you'll come join me, man, I'm going to close out. About 20 years ago, uh, we were doing this thing in Orlando, and uh, I was a youth pastor. And if you can't tell that I was a youth pastor for much longer than I've ever been a lead pastor, Uh, something's wrong with you. But as a youth pastor man, uh, we were doing this thing and we were trying to figure out Halloween is coming up. And one of the things that drives me nuts about Christians, I mean, really does, is they get an opportunity where the devil is sending people to your door where you could tell them about Jesus and be a light. And instead you shut off your light and you ignore them. And you're like, I'm doing it in the name of Jesus. I'm protecting Jesus. I'm not celebrating a pagan holiday. Can I argue that there's probably a ton of them that you already do, you just don't know it. Self-worship is a pagan holiday. You 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 celebrate your birthday, don't you? So technically, I'm just being technical. I'm not telling you to go out and celebrate Halloween. I'm telling you if the, if people are coming to your door, and the devil's trying to use it for evil. That you can use it for good. That you you could literally just open your door and be like, "I've got candy that I've prayed over. I've got things that can change your life. I, I if you come, if you listen to me, you will not thirst and hunger no more. I could I could use this. And so we were there, and we were trying to figure out how we're going to get all these teenagers. And I was like, we just want people to come to know Jesus. And so we wrote this thing called the freak show. And it had 120 kids in it. And what the freak show was, is the freaks were spiritual deformities that you could see on the outside of people. So like when the Bible says that every person you intertwine with or that you have relationships with, they have a cord attached to you. So what we did was we designed it. We put this makeup on and this girl's attached to like seven guys that she's dragging around. And we were able to show in the natural realm what was happening in the spiritual realm. So we do this the first night and a thousand kids come. Okay, 500 give their life to Jesus. Here's the problem. That same night, the biggest Christian radio station we had asked, we invited them to come. We wanted them to come and like talk about it. The next day, they trashed us all day long. Just went nuts, trashing us. These guys are celebrating darkness or whatever else. We, We are exposing darkness and people are giving their life to Jesus in droves here. And you're mad. So that night, the DJ from 106.7, which is like the huge secular station, he's a Christian, he's like, I'm going to come. I want to see what all the Christians are mad at. So we have another 1,000 kids, another two or 300 give their life to Jesus. Then he goes on the radio going, this is the boldest step I've ever seen a church take. He's like, these guys are showing you what the devil's actually doing. He's like, and people think that they're coming to a Halloween show and they have no idea. They've been duped. So that night, 5,000 students show up. 3,000 give their heart to Jesus that night. We don't have time for you to clap. Just pretend like you did. Get it out of your system. The whole concept is this. Either you're going to stand for God and go, this is what I really stand for. Look, you can make fun of me too, I'm blue in the face. I don't care if you make fun of Daryl Merritt, but at some point that term Christian in your lifetime, and I didn't think it would happen in my lifetime, but in your lifetime, that term Christian, you're either gonna have to say yes or no, and it's going to cost you something in your lifetime. I never thought it would happen in my lifetime, but I'm telling you, the day is coming where someone is going to ask you. And you're going to have to take a stand because they're not asking you, are you Daryl Marin?" Because you can rename me, but you cannot change the guy who saved me. You can call me any name under the world, but I'm going down that Christ died for me. He redeemed me. That makes me a Christian, a Christ follower. And I won't stop talking about him no matter the consequence. So therefore I stand. When everything else has been taken away, I still stand here. And the day has to come where you have to decide, are you going to stand for God or are you going to blend in? And I'm not, I didn't say that blending in wouldn't take you to heaven. You can probably blend in and still go to heaven. But I promise you it won't alter the course of history for people. Someone's gotta stand up and be counted when all hell breaks loose in the world. Someone's gotta stand up and go, enough is enough. And I'm not gonna do it rudely. I don't care what they say about me, I don't care. Some people are like, well, people said this about the church, people say this about you. I'm like, I do not care what people say. And when it comes between me and the sinner and they try to attack a sinner in the name of Jesus, I'll stand right in between them. Because the only gap that Jesus fills is between the sinner and heaven and I want to be right in the middle. I'll do anything short of sin to reach people. So you got to stand up at some point. And my question to you today is very simple. Do you want to blend in or are you willing to stand out? Are you willing just to just stand out and go, you know what? I'm, I am, I'm going to stand out, Pastor. I'm going to, I'm going to predetermine today things I won't do because God has already asked. You need to decide today what you won't do. You cannot wait till you arrive because you can't take a census. Christianity is not a democracy. You have to take a stand today for things you're not sure that are coming, predetermining your heart that if they are asked of you, what you will do. Will you bow your heads with me and close your eyes all over this place so I can pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank for every person, God, as we are on this journey to learn how to stand for you. God, I pray that we do not blend in. God, that when our name is called, God, that the world literally can call us any name in the world, but when they ask for our identity, God, my identity is never changing. You can change my name, but not my identity. My identity is found in Christ. And I pray that over every person in this room, that they are found in Christ. Not a cultural Christian, and not one that feels comfortable blending in, but one designed to stand out and has predetermined in their own mind what sins they will not commit in order to stand out and follow you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.